What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a brand new episode of the Threshing Forward Podcast. It's here. It's here. The day you guys thought would never come, but the Threshing Four is recording once again. We've got Brad on this episode. It was completely unscripted, no outline. Um, we just wanted to get on the mics and just put an episode out to let you guys know that we have not, you know, just disappeared indefinitely that there is a planned return and we are still here planning on producing the podcast so hopefully you guys have been looking forward to this one we'll jump right into it hopefully you enjoy it All right, guys, welcome back into the threshing floor. And that's right, the threshing floor, brand new episode coming. We have not gone and moved to Portland, although it might be cooler in Portland, so I might want to go. But we're here, got Brad here. How you doing, Brad? Feeling good. Feeling like, as you were talking, I was like, man, guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> yes. We've got to quit going through periods, though, where we can keep bringing Eminem back onto the episode. <laughs> but I feel like that's been a few times over the, the life of this podcast, but we're not I, going I anywhere. The, I love how the Portland comment really, really got to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone posted in the Discord, I guess we'd better make sure they didn't move out to Portland. <laughs> so here we are, not Portland bound. We are still in sweet home Alabama, baby. That's right. I know that you just got back from church camp, and I haven't even talked to you about how that went, but I guess you could share with the group if you would like. Need to decompress, get anything off your chest. Did you succeed in the number one rule, which is no purple? Did you? Your students were good? I actually did not succeed in that. Um, I actually have <laughs> a, a few uh, incidents happen at camp, which did not. I did is this not, not a joke? You're being serious? No, I'm dead serious. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I wouldn't have let into it the way that I did if I. Knew. <laughs> yeah, I had some students of mine get caught um, making out at camp, and I gave them another chance. And then one of them ended up. Um, so, like, I take up cell phones at camp, right? Yeah. Um, that's just like. By the way, if you're a youth pastor listening to this, the best thing you can do is take up phones at camp. It like they can't contact home and talk about how, how bad you're treating them. <laughs> they can't do stuff on social media or whatever. Take pictures they're not supposed to. Anything like that. It just and the uh, the freedom and the power it gives you. You know what I'm saying? Like the feeling of taking a kid's cell phone. There's nothing like it. Um. So maybe there's a, I'm a little vindictive Brad on the episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, listen, you, you put up with a lot as a youth pastor, but one of the biggest joys you could ever have is taking a kid's cell phone for a week. Um, but I had three students give me a dummy phone, and they had phones uh, for the first, like, three days. They so gave you the trap phone. Like, <laughs> they gave you the trap phone. <laughs> dude, they gave me they gave me the bender phone, and they kept the puzzle phone. Um so anyways, cell phones. Like, I was like, and the thing is, so we start on Monday, we go home on Friday, but I get phones back on Thursday afternoon. 
But I took up their phones on Thursday morning, the ones that had it. So I was like, look, since I'm taking it up now, you ain't getting it back till basically we get home on Friday. So, but then I also had uh, one of them that had the phones had a vape as well, which to me really is not that big a deal, but it was against the camp rules and they're too young to have it. So I was like, look, the only way you're staying here is if I have that vape in my hand. And they refused to give it to me. So I actually packed them up and sent them home. And was this the uh, most like, But was this the most like enforcing your rules you've had to be at camp? Yeah. As I get older, I'm a lot more like, like I, like I gave them a second chance. I said, look, you put it in my hand, we're good. But they just refused. And I was like, well, I'm not backing down either. Like I got the van pulled up right now. So, um, yeah, it was it was just one of them things, and it it was necessary. Um, this is somebody who's been in my youth group for four years, and they know better. Senior. Anyways, other than that, it it was actually a really good camp, and I hate that. I hope it doesn't get overshadowed by stuff like that, because um, like, you know, our camp. There are six teams. There's over 100 kids on each team. And this is the first year we come in last in all the games and all the points. So I had to wear a toilet seat around my head um, <laughs> as a as a trophy of getting last place. Absolutely. So, but but you earned it. Our kids you thought earned it. we earned it for sure. Our kids <laughs> thought we were in it the whole time. I have no idea why they thought we were in it because I was like, dude, there's no way we're even close, and we weren't. But they competed well. They still had fun. But ultimately, just like any good youth camp. We had some really powerful moves of God um, during our services. Our speaker really challenged our students with the word. And then, you know, you see our students praying over each other. We're praying for each other. We're crying over each other. Holy Spirit's moving. It was really good. Um, So, and, you know, that student that I sent home, um, we ended up, she, well, um, that student was, one of five students that helped me on a serve day today. So it's not like the relationship was broken or anything. It's just they knew what was happening and had to happen, and we moved on. So so how did your other students take it when you had to lay down the law and stick with it? And send well, the, the, thing, the thing was, since I, I wasn't going to say anything about their cell phones except for all the students started finding out. Once all the students found out, I was like, all right, I got to say something. So I had one of my female leaders, this was a female student, um, or all three of them were females that had the phones. And I had her gather everybody in our cabin together and say, look, we know that we know who has them and what y'all have. And you can either give up your phones and vapes or else you're going to go home. And so everybody knew. And I told them I was only going to give them one chance. And I actually sent them back in there and said, look, I need it. But um, the, the other students were like, just give it up. Just give it up. You know, because like, it's kind of like one of the things where like everybody's kind of involved because everybody was together. Um, but they just didn't. So I actually, um, nobody really said anything to me. They just like, everybody acted like everything was normal. <laughs> nobody was like coming up to me like, man, I can't believe you did that. Or they, you didn't get like those sideways looks from the students. I can't like believe Pastor Brad done sent her home over a vape, a nine ninety nine vape. But it's so crazy, and I I assume it's probably that way around the country. 
but it's so it's so discouraging to see how much like vaping has become part of the normal teenage culture around our area. And I'm sure it's again, I'm sure it's the same in a lot of areas if not all areas, but it's just like you the way you were talking about taking their phone and how you feel empowered. I bet you mm-hmm. that student felt the same way when they were like, "Nah, Jack, I ain't giving you this vape. This is my vape yeah. and you can't have it." It's mine. And then, I mean, yeah. and the worst thing about it, though, is, and hopefully stuff like this doesn't overshadow uh, uh, otherwise positive camp experience, um, you know, except, except for coming in last, but part of that's probably because they were busy on their phones. If you took their phones, maybe you you get a chance to come in first place. Who knows? <laughs> um, no, not, we didn't have squad <laughs> this year. But the, the worst thing about, say, I sent that student home, is as a youth pastor, when you say I sent that student home, what that means is I got their stuff, loaded them up, and I drove them back, and then I had to drive back to the camp. Yeah, luckily, actually, you know Mr. Billy, right? I actually had Mr. Yeah. Billy uh, take them. So, but, it, you know, it's, it's never an easy thing, but like you said, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it actually, I think in the long run, is going to do a lot of good. Um, for that student, number one, and also for everybody else, um, I, I'm not a very like hard nosed like play by my rules or get out type of person. But there does come a point where you do have to say like, look, these are your actions. Like, there's consequences to what you do. So, I think that um, you know discipline is a good thing, especially like for some of these students. That, uh, that don't have very much discipline. And um, so it sucks that it was like the last night. <laughs> I mean, last day, it was it was uh, that Thursday morning, so we had a whole nother day. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes you, know, you just got to do what you got to do. So, but again, like, uh, I think we had more fun this year than maybe just about any other camp I've been to as far as the students go. It was just we had a great camaraderie, the students that went – it was very little drama, which is always a great thing. That was that wasn't really drama between students. That was drama of people just wanting to break the rules. You know, like they, the students weren't really having drama with each other, which is what I like if they're having drama with me, that's one thing. I don't I mean, I could care less. But it, when they start having drama with each other, that's a big deal, but man, everybody's getting along. It's great. That's definitely easier to go with than some of the some of the uh drama in between relationships that you've dealt with in the past dude i tell all my students please do not date in the youth group like you can date somebody they just better not they they need to be somewhere else and it never fails that doesn't work (laughs) they still want to try it (laughs) Mm. yeah but yeah so that's the that basically is the culmination um of the the summer schedule for you guys, right? So now things should start getting a little bit more relaxed as you head back into the fall semester for school. Well, kind of, but, um, you know, I, I act like I haven't been in ministry for 10 years because I decided to plan a serve week the Monday following the Friday that we get home from camp. So now we have a serve week this week where we're going and doing these projects and stuff for people around the church and around the church. So I've been gone all day doing different things. Um, 
trying to round up students <laughs> and uh, trying to schedule places to go on Wednesday because I didn't get that done before camp, you know, slacking. So, yeah. Um, so I wish I could say it was going to get a little bit easier, but uh, I still have uh, several things planned between here and school. <laughs> you make it hard on yourself. <laughs> Pretty much. I wonder. Yep. I wonder the other youth pastors that are within the community for redemption. I wonder if they have a similar, a similar thing to where you just feel like you're always busy. Like I know Chris was talking, uh, Chris Fashman, about things are going to start slowing down for him now, so he can focus on nationals coming up. And I know that like somebody like Chad France, who has a youth ministry, uh, that's what he does in. Um, oh my goodness. I think it's Coos Bay, and he has his, his student ministry that he's over, and he's actually working on bringing some of those students with him to nationals, and it just seems like when you're in youth ministry, it becomes so much a part of, like, everything that you do, and then when you try to separate that and have, like, a hobby, and you try to dedicate time to a hobby or to something else, or even the ones that are not full-time, you know, uh, salaried ministers and they're having to work a part-time or full-time job on top of that it just kind of bleeds over so I, I i don't know how you guys do it but you guys are are true heroes for working with uh with students i did it for a little bit and i don't know if i could i could be one of those like 10-year vets i don't know if i don't know if i could put that much skin in the game you know what i mean like it takes a well, lot I mean, out of you in some ways, you, I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of similar things as far as scheduling goes. I mean, think about the crazy hours you have to work on top of being a father and a husband, having your kid play football and whatever, other, you know, baseball and all-stars and also trying to have a hobby of your own. <laughs> yeah, like podcasting, which we have not done, but <laughs> hey, we're, we're, we're on the recording now, you know, so. And I guess maybe maybe we can use that as a segue to tell you that I feel like every time that we have a break from recording or that I step away from recording podcast and then I come back, I feel like I give the same lame excuse of why I was not able to record. Dude, I just got busy with work. But I seriously have been working 80 to 90 hour weeks. Hmm. So yeah, like most people talk about I work bit. 60 hours and I've been working 80 to 90 each week. So, um, I feel like dude, like the excitement of nationals is it's there, but it's like, it's so tempered. Like I can't just go all into it because I'm still like mentally focused on the work stuff that I've been busy with. And it's like, I want to just fully give into it, but then I don't want to like, yeah, mom, I, I, it's going to take a few days to get my mind dedicated back to redemption and then i haven't played games in a couple of weeks um and i had plans to play a game a night with keegan with his deck my deck for the whole month leading up to nationals and that did not happen <laughs> so just trying to bring it back into uh into focus and and try to set some time aside and get my mind right before nationals is it's is it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit but i feel like that's probably similar to to you with trying to calm down after, you know, being busy with all your youth functions and things. And the unwinding is so hard to do when you're so, so involved with things. 
Yeah, I was gonna say it's uh, it was probably a little bit easier for you last year when y'all were in the different building and things were going smooth and you had enough help and all that stuff. Because uh, I remember every week hearing the choo choo, time for the hype train, <laughs> whatever you know that recording with Derek. Yeah, and, uh, and now the hype train, <laughs> baby. I'm I'm hoping somebody's been putting gas in it so it don't run out. Well, but uh, I, like when and when I was on I was on Discord um, before I got see when I switched my new phone. Um, back in like February, I think I actually, uh, took off all my notifications from like all my apps from like discord or anything like that. Before then I was on discord like all the time. And I remember last year, man, it was like hype train, hype train, hype train, spoilers, GOC spoilers, this or that. And like, it was just like, it was probably the hypest that any year of going to nationals, I think. I'm not saying it was the best nationals, but I think with the hype going into that nationals, uh, and just from my limited years in redemption, it feels like it was the best. But this year, it's, you're right. I mean, for us, for you, for me, it feels like I got to focus on my next project or my next sermon or my next this or that. And like, eventually I'll get to the point where I focus on uh, right. you know, preparing for nationals. So it feels like even though we've known it was here on the calendar, it still somehow everybody was or a lot of people were busy with their individual, you know, obligations that are not their hobby. You know, you have to put things in priority and perspective and focus on those things. And it feels like even though it was on the calendar, we circled it. We knew it was here. It somehow still snuck up on us. And it's like, dude, next week we got to be there. Is it like, next week? Yeah. Next week. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Next week. <laughs> next week. Holy. <laughs> So like next Thursday is, I mean look at look at it, well, the, the the date is the seventeenth. Ten days away, oh, man oh man, so we are rocking and rolling here. Yeah, so I, pull up, pull I mean my it's probably it's probably my fault, and I'll go ahead and take blame. The community can blame me if the hype for national seems a little low because. I have not been able to make it a priority to record, and that is shame on me. Um, maybe I should exile exile myself to Portland, but um, maybe maybe we can make a little bit of it of of the hype. You know, maybe we can we can sprinkle a little bit of that with just the excitement of the threshing floor coming back with an episode before nationals, so people won't show up to nationals and be like, "Did you quit podcasting?" No, unfortunately, I still got all this equipment. I got to make it worth something. <laughs> and the only way to add value to the equipment is to use it, you know? I think it's I think it's time for a big giveaway. Okay, what are we giving away though? <laughs> I got a toilet seat trophy, actually, that uh <laughs> I wouldn't mind donating. And Miss Miss Betty has I got them weight sets. I got I I, I got the weight set in the bar and the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Betty's got a weight set for you. Brad's got a toilet seat. <laughs> it says uh camp uh it says AYM Camp Chumps 2023. So written on it. So if anybody wants an AYM <laughs> Camp Chump 2023 trophy for the hype of nationals, just let me know. We'll figure out what we need to do to uh, send that out. Well, I guess I would be lying if I was say if, if I were to say that we could guarantee that there would be another episode next week before nationals. So. This might end up being all you get, 
uh, before national. So I don't know how much excitement we can pack into that. I will go ahead and tell you that we are working off of zero outline. I just I saw the comment about did them boys go out to Portland and I was like I gotta get on the I gotta get on the mic baby we cannot have I'm sorry John and 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 we'll we'll take a moment to to pause and say that this this podcast episode along with any other episodes of your favorite podcast Threshing Floor are sponsored by Covenant Games Mr John Early mm. but in no way am I about to let this podcast turn into <laughs> turn into what hey. thoughts from Portland Listen. turned into. Listen, Thoughts for Portland at least had two episodes, I'm pretty sure. Like, at I think least there two. was like three or four. Was it? Oh, that's what yeah, I said. At least Because at some point he ended up sending one to me to help, and I thought that would help help get him through, and then I think there was not one after that. <laughs> or if there was, they kept talking about, there's going to be our final wrap-up episode, and it's like, <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> In your heart, there's going to be an episode, yeah. but you know, actually, that was that was one of the sermons from camp. You know, it talked about uh, good intentions versus good decisions, and uh, oh man, I tell you, man, I, I there's been some notes. marriages built on that, <laughs> oh, and then man. some divorces because it, because of that. Don't make me pull out my notes, Redemption Community, or thoughts from Portland, because I will. This is gonna be a thoughts from Portland episode. <laughs> no, we're, no, we're, we're trying to de- we're trying to deflect blame from missing like six weeks. <laughs> hey, we're blaming it on Portland. Yeah. So, if you guys have been looking forward to an episode, I really, really do want to apologize that even this return episode, because it's not gonna be all that you've been hoping that the next episode would be. But before we do go any further, I do know that there was someone out there that was expecting the next episode of The Threshing Floor, and it didn't happen. And they were bummed out because they thought they might get a uh, a mention. But I will go ahead and give it to Mr. Brian Jones and his playgroup. They are they are fast improving. They are, they are quality players in that playgroup under him. And Seth beat me straight up. He, he, he beat me pretty bad at... East Central Regionals. So I do want to make sure that I mention that I lost pretty handily to him uh, to give him his his props. So, Seth, congrats on the win. I think you ended up placing third, maybe, I think it was. Um, with a, You had an outside chance for second, but um, I did not place thanks to you uh, beating me like a war drum. So, I appreciate it. <laughs> let me let me throw you on the spot now. Okay. In your opinion, what do you think we're going to be seeing at nationals as far as, um, like the types of decks or the style play that's popular right now? What do you think? Uh, like, if I sit down from whoever what's the biggest chance that i'm going to face am i going to face a big defense am i going to face a disciples offense am i going to face like older cards newer cards that is putting me on the spot yeah that is putting me on the spot you're kind of in the know i think (laughs) i'm in the known (laughs) i'm in the known people know me (laughs) i don't know people like i don't know what people's doing like every year, like last year, we said, man, you got to be aware of 
love at first sight. Like you got to be aware of it. The year before that, it was no. Um, year before that was love at first sight. The well, last year, year was the widow. Oh, the widow and the yeah, Matthew widow. stuff. Turn one. Yep. Um, so like, what what I, what do I need to be aware of? If you're going to nationals and you're asking me from a perspective of I've played plenty of tournaments this tournament season, but I have not necessarily um, been plugged into it in the last little bit. And I think there's a lot of potential changes and and um, morphing within the meta. So you can take the deck that you've been playing all tournament season and you could flip out a couple of, you know, dominant slots, change the Lost Soul package, maybe flip a hero or, or drop an enhancement for something else, a support piece. Um, there's a lot of little things right now that I think in this time period that I've been away from the game as people are preparing for nationals where little changes could equal big changes, if that makes sense. Especially if like this whole group of people have talked about this and decided that this is a good strategic card to put in. And now you have this small group of people that are doing it. Then over here on the other side of the country, there's, you know, they're doing the same thing. They have the same idea and they land on decks that have similar tech pieces um, you can show up to nationals and be like, whoa, I didn't get the memo. And it's because you've been working 90 hour weeks, you know, <laughs> um, and just ca- caught off guard. But as far as a base, I think GOC is going to be hard for people to get away from. Um, mm-hmm. Especially if you're a player that if you're a highly competitive player, you may, there might be some outliers. Somebody like Jaden might play something that's not necessarily GOC based um, just because he feels confident in it enough to go against, you know, the norm and what is easier to play. But even even veteran players that are expecting to do well will probably settle on some something within the GOC sphere. I believe that clay stuff is all over the place. I, I think I think probably thirty five to forty percent of reserves will have eternal inheritance as a clay enhancement and a way that Someone's planning on trying to get that fifth soul quickly by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, obviously, disciples are going to be there, but I think disciples have actually fallen out of favor as far as like a whole deck, and just people are trying to use the good stuff within disciples and merge it with the good stuff of clay and build things like that. So, like gospel good stuff is is something you could use that term it's just all the good pieces from GOC kind of blended together I think we've seen this gold and crimson deck people have been talking about and it's got a couple of wins but it's got wins against small tournament fields I don't know how well it's going to do against a large tournament field where you might be going six to eight rounds now that's not to say that it can't do well I just don't know that it I don't know that we have enough sample size to know that it's expected to do well in a large tournament field. Now, the players that are playing that probably are confident in its ability to do so. But then you start breaking it down for offenses, defenses, not necessarily like full decks to where you know the the known elements of the offense and defense. I think thieves are going to be really popular. Demon thieves. Um, I think Herods, just because Herods are so easy to play and they're so easy to throw in, and I don't think that they're so easy to play that 
you can just put them in there and they're going to perform as well. I think a good player can know when to trigger Herod's Temple, know when to make this play versus that play. You know, like a good player might, on block one, might go Herod the Great off of one of the ways to him versus going to the guy that's protected in that moment because you value the ability to get out Herod's Temple earlier in the game even more so than guaranteeing they have to push through protection on that block. Um, so I think there's nuances of Herod's that are going to make them better in certain players' hands versus other players. But I think, like, Thieves, I think those are going to be pretty straightforward, and people are going to play those. Now, it's going to be the the decks that are the best with Thieves, I think, are going to be the ones that are willing to dedicate a couple of more deck slots to defense so that they have those interrupt the battle enhancements that back it up they have that extra character that that has this uh, ability to draw and generate resources i see your pen are you taking notes <laughs> no yes yeah, I, uh, I was like I these was, notes was, probably aren't 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 most up to date so <laughs> no no I, i'm not i'm not taking notes necessarily on what you're saying i was thinking of uh some follow-ups oh i got you um i do think that Jeremy's been playing a deck that has Moses built into it with GOC stuff. So it's like because of Moses on top of GOC stuff, and I think you're going to have to deal with that deck. Not necessarily that there's going to be a ton of people running it, but I think that there will be some variation of a Moses build in the tournament field that is able to make um, a splash. There will probably be a hard-headed person like me or Jared, or, or someone in that, that realm that, you know, packs a blue deck, mm-hmm. even though I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure that blue has the capacity to compete with GOC offenses, just because the way that that deck wants to operate, for the most part, wants to slow it down and work at a more methodical pace. And there's decks that are not going to let you do that just by the way that they're built up, like you're going to have to find ways to cut off their resources or replicate some of the resource generation. Man, you really got me in this like deep thought now mm-hmm. about redemption just out of nowhere. <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm going to put you on the spot. We're talking about why we haven't recorded, and then boom, here we are, which is not a bad thing. But I do think that one of the more interesting decks that I think are out there is a deck that I I have termed in my head, and when I have played against it, I have decided to call it Ricky Bobby Hmm. uh, or Shake and Bake. And I won't tell you who has that deck, but um, and I won't tell you anything about that deck. I'll just tell you the name, Shake and Bake, Ricky Bobby, whichever one you want to do. And you can put together what that deck's trying to do. And... It does it very well, and I think that it could be one of those decks that I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up finding its way to the top table toward the end of the rounds for Type 1. Can, can we safely say that if that deck's not first, it's last? <laughs> we probably could safely say that. Um, and I oh I, I guess I also didn't mention Tyler's, Tyler has been talking about Tomb Raider since he put that video out. I think Tomb Raider is definitely a a legit contender, Um, but I think Tomb Raider and the variations of it are really going to be dependent on the pilot and how well they can ebb and flow in the game 
And then also, I think you've got to make sure you have the right support pieces in that deck. I think having the wrong support pieces in the deck can mess you up to where you you don't even have a shot at placing. And then um, having the right one alternatively could put you in a position to place with that deck. So I haven't played a whole lot of games, but I feel like there's uh, could be some kind of strategy to go in 57 cards with the game slowing down. Now, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but with the one territory class enhancement, and I say that because, you know, with all the decks that try to get rid of cards from your deck and with like thieves and stuff taken maybe from your hand or whatever, like having those extra couple cards may, may benefit. But how many people do you think is going to get run 57 or more? Ooh, 57 or more. A what percentage. percentage of people? Um, is it going to be zero? Or 57 or more? 57 or more. Okay, so you're not talking about the people that claim that they can't get their deck down from 52 or 53. Yes, I'm looking at yeah. you. If you're if you're thinking I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you. Whoever you are out there listening, if mm-hmm. you keep claiming that you can't get down to 50 and you're at 52 or 53, it's because you got a card that you really like using that you don't want to cut, even though it might not even make sense in that deck. But that's, we'll disregard that. I feel, I feel like that was for somebody specific. <laughs> it's just, you see it posted all the time. And I feel like those people don't get any, like, they always have someone ask them the question, okay, now what do you value in the deck? What what could you get rid of? And they're like, I can't get rid of anything. Okay, well then don't ask me how you can get to 50. Like, mm-hmm. You know, every now and then we, we see people and, and I I try make to make sure that I'm not one of those people and I don't want to uh, sound like holier than thou or anything. But it, sometimes we ask questions about how to make my deck better and then when you start getting the questions, you defend your position of having the deck in the state that it was in when you asked for help. Um, you got to be willing mm-hmm. to shake things up and be like, okay, that card makes no sense. Get it out of there. Shake and then tr- just try the deck up. without it. Yeah. yeah. Um, 57 or more, do you want me to guess a, a, a straight number or a percentage? A percentage, yeah. It's under 10%. Awesome. I think that's safe. Um, so I've never been to nationals, but like right now I'm considering going 57, having an extra soul, which are great. You, you know, at this point you kind of want certain souls and you can add a, a one that maybe you're on the fence about and an extra dominant. You know, and of course, if you throw Hopper in there, you know, you're really talking about 56, um, you know, versus 49, maybe. So, so hold on before, before we go too far, I'm going to have to poke the, poke the bear a little bit. You said you've never been to nationals, which is correct. A tragic thing. And then you said, but I'm thinking about going 57. So, so did you say, I feel like you said something in there that you didn't say. Are <laughs> you are you going on the record saying you're going to be at nationals? I am going on the record <laughs> to say I will do everything that I can do to be at nationals. <laughs> so to to put this in 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 full disclosure with our friends, the community, the listeners, you did get permission to go. I did. You did um, get permission uh, over a month ago, but now you've gone. Yes. You've gone without saying anything about it because you were excited about that and you didn't want to push it or whatever. And now it's, 
you got to check and make sure the permission still stands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people are entitled to change their mind, and I'm just kind of hoping this is not one of those situations. <laughs> so uh, what I'll do is I'll take my wife out to a nice dinner, um, spoiler, maybe let her get a pedicure, manicure or something, and then at some point after that I'll say, hey, you're still good with me going to Nationals, right? I, I need to run 57 cards and see if it works. <laughs> Tell her you have to test something. You gotta, you gotta experiment for the, the betterment of the community. It's just too perfect right now. I mean, it's in Knoxville. It's like yeah. I can drive there. Yeah, and it's a great, it's a great setup for hosting tournaments. Chris does a really good job there. So, it's almost like if next year they come out and say it's in, just let's let's just shoot Portland. a place out there. Let's Portland. just say it's in Portland. <laughs> It's in Portland, um, or it's in you know, randomly it's in um, Connecticut because they've got a, a decent size play group up in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. You will be kicking yourself because now not only do you need to get permission to go, but now it's a longer travel and it's more expensive and it's all those other factors. Not that it would be an impossible task, but it would be closer to impossible than what this one is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, all, all the stars are aligning on this one, so yeah, I feel like it's 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 got to happen. So you're you're leaning toward fifty seven legitimately, though. I you know, but the thing is, I haven't tested fifty seven like at all. So well, neither one of us have tested anything in the <laughs> recent weeks. This is true. Um, I could probably count on definitely on two hands how many games I played this year. Man, and what if you show up to nationals and you you found your way to the top table with a chance to place, and it's you versus Jaden Alstead, and knowing that if you win, you get first place, and if you lose, then you don't even place. And how bad would Jaden beat you? We know he would beat you. How bad? (laughs) (laughs) That would be a 5-0. Listen, I, I'm definitely coming in with the expectation that I'm more about like, hey, I'm just trying to meet a few people, play a few games, and have some fun, and whatever happens, happens, because I have zero expectation to try to make it to a top cut table at this point. But, I mean, it's not like I'm not going to play my best or put my best deck forward, but, like, I mean, the people who do the best are the ones that, that are playing all the time and know the strategies and know the cards and... That's not me right now. So if it, if this was like maybe a year or two ago, whenever we were, you know, I was going to like every tournament and, you know, playing lackey all the time. And then, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would have a much higher expectation. Yeah. I'm not, you, I'm not that confident. This year. When you mentioned people that play all the time and those are the ones that are expecting to do well, it reminds me of, there's a couple of people that come to mind and uh, you think about the most improved players since like this cycle of the game started like after nationals last year to now getting ready for this nationals in that year of development as a player who has gotten better. And it's easily between, you know, just a handful of people you look in the community and you're like, okay, that person, you could tell they put in the time, the effort, the energy, to learn the game, learn the rules, and make themselves a better player. Mm-hmm. And it's it reminds me of, like, I had this really cool idea, and I wanted to do it last year at Nationals, 
And, you know, I don't know if there's there's really time to put that much thought into it, and maybe it doesn't need that much thought. But you remember on The Office when they gave out the Dundee Awards? Mm, of course. What if what if instead of, like, the Dundee Awards to where it's kind of like a joke thing, what if the threshing floor gave out awards, like, non-super non, non like super serious awards, just like, here's you a title, threshing okay. floor's most improved player within the community or, you know, best deck builder this tournament season, best. Shortest just, podcast. Yeah, wor- worst podcast host. <laughs> um, and then that would be a tie for me and you at the bottom for not recording. <laughs> Um, best, yeah, best town for having a books a million, you know, <laughs> but that would, um, that would be pretty cool to, to get to, to nationals and, and just throw out some titles to people. Well, you know, you have 10 days to work on this. So. And, yeah, I don't know if, I don't even know if people are interested in that kind of stuff. Well, well they don't have to be, you know, I mean, we, we make it, you know, what it is, so. <laughs> we set the market. Yeah. It's only as hype as we are. Right. So, yeah, as far as expecting to do well, you know there's there's a couple of players that you're always going to be expecting to do well at Nationals, um, and the ones that are active right now, like, I'm sorry, Tyler. I know you finally got your win over me. That's fine. But you you still aren't, aren't expect. We're not expecting you to show up and win Type 1. We're not expecting you to threaten Type 1 titles, you know. But – Josh Potratz and um, Jaden, those those are names. Jeremy, those are names that you know you expect to be competing for Type One titles. Brian Jones, man, that guy did not take long to, to just nestle back into his groove as being a a super solid player either. And I'm 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 telling you, I would not be surprised if if the if either one of those four one and you're expecting all of them to do well and then you can look at the you can look at the tournament season and see what they've posted and what they've shared that they've played Jaden's obviously shared his online and I know that you haven't watched his videos I, I just know you're behind on videos uh, I haven't is that watched fair? this week I haven't watched this week's so you've watched him doing the whole placing the the like sorted spirit and then choosing it to block and yes Okay. Uh, and, and see, whenever I asked you about like strategies for uh, that was one that I was thinking about. Is are we going to see that a lot? Not just from him, but like from others at nationals. Is that something Ooh. I need to kind of work into my deck as a have an answer for? I, and also, dude, here's a random random question that I meant to ask: uh, If you have Noah's Ark up, can they still place a card on your hero? Um. I wouldn't think so because it's harm. It, I, I was wondering if place is considered harm or not. I would think so. I feel so. like it is. I would I would assume. You know, just throwing that out there. Yeah, so I've, I've kept up with a little bit of that. But here's the thing I was thinking about. Like, so in, in past tournaments, right, you're always thinking about deceiver to foreign wives. Do I have an answer for that? And little things like that. But whatever happened to, like, Care Bear... You know, and some of them like really good blocks that didn't really have an answer. Just and where'd they the go? Are we going to see Care Bear at Nationals? Will Care Bear be at yeah. Nationals? Oh my goodness. You are asking some off the wall questions tonight. I don't know what has gotten into your cup of coffee, but. Hey, 
you did not give me a script. And so I didn't give you a script. And you were hitting was. me with, I thought this was going to be like a lighthearted, like, hey, we missed you guys. Uh, thank you for missing us and reaching out and uh, talking bad about us going to Portland. So now we're here recording. And instead, it's like, all right, shut up about not recording. And here's some hard questions about the meta at Nationals. And I'm, bro, I, I, I don't know. I think when turning the page back to the Jaden thing where you asked if that was going to be at Nationals potentially, I think decks like that are always more dangerous. I don't want to sound like I'm knocking anyone because whatever you pick up and play, if people put it out there or you see it played and then you pick it up, you build it, and you play it and you enjoy it, play that. That's what I want you to play. I want you to play the thing that's going to make you sit down and enjoy mm. this game the best. But I think decks like that that have a very... Um, there's there's a, a bit of a skill involved with being able to pilot something like that and do well with it. And I always feel like those are the ones that are dangerous of getting someone caught in a bad experience because they might build that deck and go to play it and realize they are not the type of player that can play that deck. Let's just analyze for a moment Jaden as a player. He's a a bit of a strategist. He, he's he's thinking two steps ahead on every move. He's putting thoughts into it. He's not just playing the cards as they come up, just recklessly. Um, so no one would ever really consider him a hyper-aggro player. Now, he does elements of aggro within his deck. But he's a very methodical, like, he's going to find a deck that, that fits into his play style, generally. Um, like, perfectly comfortable with passing a turn and not attacking. Yes. And I just, I can't understand that at yes. all. Yes, or or but, using a blocker yeah. that he knows is going to die just to draw three extra cards or something like that. Yeah. And then he will give you the soul. He's perfectly okay with wasting a blocker like that. And I build my decks, and I'm like, I can't afford to lose a body. <laughs> you know, like, I need every one of the I yeah. need you. I need you. I need your mama and your cousin, too. <laughs> and <laughs> so I feel like decks like his are, they have a, they run a risk of someone picking it up and uh, having a bad experience with it. And I, I feel bad for the copycat decks, and I'm more worried about the copycat decks. So, like, you might experience that from someone. But it won't be as it won't be as potent as it would be in Jaden's hand or another type top elite talent player like that. So I think if you run into it, you're either you unfortunately got paired with Jaden early, um, or it's you know someone else running it to where you don't have to be as worried about the way it plays. If that well, makes sense, you know. Kind of building on that, do you feel like – see, I'm asking you all these questions, right? Uh, do you feel like that we're going to see the most diversity of decks in this Nationals as opposed to other Nationals? Or do you, or like you said in the beginning, is it just going to be mostly GOC and that's kind of what you're going to see? I think if, if you were to say that all decks fall into one category or the other, they're either GOC decks or non-GOC decks, I think – you will have an overwhelming majority, like I'm talking about 75% GOC decks. Maybe maybe 60 to 75% is a, a range of GOC, mostly GOC-infused decks, like the offense is GOC, the enhancement package, 
that type of thing. And then you might have 25 to, to what is that, 40% on my, my sliding scale. My math don't math this late at night. But I would think that there is going to be diversity because there's so much diversity within GOC, even though it's all from the same set and it's all, you know, kind of the same thematic. It's talking about the, the life and ministry of Jesus. But I feel like I, I just can't get away from three out of four decks are going to be GOC decks. I can't shake that thought right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be that people haven't been posting a lot of their decks because, you know, we're getting into that range to where, especially like mid-level and lower-level players, um, maybe they, okay, I think I've I've built the best deck that I can within my capabilities. I don't want to share it and not necessarily let the cat out of the bag because they're not expecting to go and run through the tournament field, but just they want the element of people not knowing when they sit down what I'm playing necessarily to give them a little extra edge, that type of thing. So there's probably there's probably a decent amount of players that are playing non-GOC things, but I just don't think it gets up past that like 25% of the field area. To, or, you know, slightly past that. So you're expecting, like, for instance, on offense to go up. Your opponent's probably going to be playing Nativity, Empty Tomb, Gold, or Disciples, basically, on offense. So, some variation. Yeah. And uh, maybe think, a couple splash cards in there. Like you said, maybe a Moses, maybe this or that. But, yeah. you know, essentially. I think Matthew, then, Matthew turn one, I think, will be the goal of 30 percent around probably because like if you're GOC and you have the ability to play clay enhancements already there's no reason you're not playing Matthew and then there I've seen Matthew splashed in other decks that don't necessarily need Matthew he's just there um, then you've got the disciples decks then you've got the GOC clay good stuff I think I even see I've even seen a uh, gold deck that had Matthew splashed in, which looks completely weird out of place considering they don't have a lot of flip, so there's not a lot of like, oh, well, this clay enhancement works, but it's kind of like that Jaden thing to where if you can generate massive value, who cares if you get the turn one soul? But I also think that at the same time where like his potential was at one point 16 cards, you could find somebody with a multi-evil and multi-good card in hand and get the draw 16 or whatever, mm-hmm. up to 16. Obviously, you're going to hit hand limit. I think Matthew's potential range right now is probably maxing out around six because I think a lot of people have adjusted enough to where, and I mean, that's still a massive, a massive pull, being able to go turn one, draw six, especially if you get the soul as well. But I think that, Turn one Matthew is going to be pretty popular. I think turn one resurrection is going to be popular. We obviously still have the nativity stuff with the uh, star of Bethlehem and the chamber creating the tokens and all of that. I just, I think it, I think the field will be pretty diverse and I think you can go and have a good time playing whatever you want. I just think when you talk about a player that wants to go and compete and do well, it's hard for me to not see them in on GOC stuff. Yeah. 
Um, what do you think the uh, the impact of Alabama is going to be? What 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 are we going to be known for uh, at nationals? What style of play? What what kind of combos? I mean, not to give anything super away, but you know, like I th- I do think regions and play groups do kind of have like a certain style. Like, hey, I either want to be really fast, I want to be heavy defense, um, I want to be like forts and uh, artifacts, or I want to be like counters. You know, like, what what are people going to think? You know, we all kind of do, even though each of us have a little bit different play style, we're not like, there's not many of us yeah, <laughs> in Alabama, I, but we, we all play a little different. I think what I hope that we're known for is for winning teams two years in a row. Because mm. I'm really trying to go. get that Son of God promo. But I think, I think... For such a small group here in Alabama, uh, like if we go, it's going to be basically you're talking about you, me, Jeremy, Keegan maybe playing type A. I don't know if Jeremy's brother Josh is going, but if he he does, he might play sealed. That's his thing. I would say that within that, the potential for us to really make noise, I'm sorry, Brad, um, but I think it's between – Keegan and Jeremy to really make some noise for us. They're gonna have hey. to pull us this year. Uh, I told you. I told you that's what my expectation. Keegan I, I, and Type I, A, but like I think that I was prepared to really try to do well. Um, and not that I'm not gonna try to do well, like you mentioned. I just think taking so much time away here at the like as close as we are to nationals, having to take that time away the last month, what feels like month and a half. I just feel like it I feel like it would be it would be out of the ordinary. It would be almost extraordinary for me to show up and do well at nationals at this mm-hmm. point. You know, I think if if I end up above middle like above 50% of the pack, then I consider that a win for me. Yeah. That that's that's kind of like where my level of expectation is. If I'm above 50, then I feel like I've had a good Nationals. I do I do hate to uh, put a close on this conversation, but I do think that we have the potential to record and get out of here with having some solid conversation here in less than an hour. Ooh, look at that. And it is 1045, and uh, Mother Nature is making her call. So I'm about to have to go answer Mother Nature's call. So uh, <laughs> this seems like the perfect way to end this podcast. And that's I how you know like we're from little... Alabama because that's how we end podcast. <laughs> hey, bro, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, maybe we can squeeze another one in next week and maybe we can have an outline and kind of talk about some things. But this is a reassuring fact, I hope, for all of you listeners out there that we have not moved to Portland, okay? You really hurt my feelings with that a little bit. So here we are. So if you ever want to get more out of us, just just threaten to talk bad about the podcast and you'll you'll get your results, okay? So I I guess that's that's all I got to sign off. Um I am looking forward to nationals. I am super excited about it. And I'm really hoping that Brad can make his nationals debut. So I'll I'll let that be my signing off. So you got anything you want to leave with the people, Brad? My signing off is, listen, if I make it to Nationals, you better be there because I need to meet you. All right. I've only met a a few people in the community in our small little area. So 
You better be there so I can meet you. And we'll leave it at that, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this kind of impromptu episode of The Threshing Floor. Just wanted to, again, get something recorded. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the conversation. And go ahead and tag me in Discord. Let me know how wrong I am about the meta at Nationals. I know, listening back as I edited, I know I forgot all about the flood, and Jay is going to um, bring that up. So I'm sorry, Jay, that I forgot about your favorite deck, the deck that you will play until... You know, the day that the second coming happens is not just a redemption card. Um, We all know that. So I'm sorry for not talking about the flood. So here it is in the outro. But hopefully you guys enjoyed. Maybe we'll record next week. If not, we'll see you all at Nationals. And we'll leave it at that. Peace. Peace.